welcome to the Attractions Crew Podcast. We're at episode 64. If you're new to the podcast, then welcome. You can find all the ways to listen to the podcast as well as watch by going to attractionsgrouppodcast.com. And it will link you to all the different places where you can hear us and see us and get a hold of us. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Don, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. That dot com address makes it so much easier oh. to find us on all those different platforms. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I thought about doing that. I don't know why I didn't think about doing that a year ago, but um, I don't know a whole lot about like doing that sort of stuff. So I had to stumble my way through it, but I was able to find it. And uh, that's going to be a lot easier to, to share with people and, and do all that. But so what did you do over the weekend, Don? I went to see the Taylor Swift movie, the Errors Tour movie. Uh, that was a concert that she did out in Los Angeles. And I came away with the thought that she should build a theme park. Taylor Swift should build a theme park. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, this is not unheard of, uh, you know, not far from where, you know, Taylor Swift rests her head in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, East Tennessee has Dollywood, which Dolly did not found, but she has a huge impact on it and she's the majority owner. So I don't think it's out of the scope of possibility for Taylor Swift one day to have her own theme park. Um, but what we're going to do is what we're going to do, Don. How are we going to present this? Well, let's talk about maybe the top 10 reasons why Taylor Swift should consider building a theme park in Nashville, similar to what Dolly Parton has with Dollywood in the east part of Tennessee. Uh, we've talked on previous podcasts about, you know, if a new theme park was to be built somewhere, some of the cities that we thought they could go, and Nashville was one of the ones that, uh, you know, I had mentioned before. So let's talk about the top 10 reasons why Taylor Swift should consider building a theme park in Nashville. Brian, you go first. All right, I'll take number one. Um, so the number one reason, and, and these are in no particular order, or else we would probably have started at 10, uh, but the uh, the cultural legacy. So Nashville is the music capital of the world, self-proclaimed, but probably true. And uh, they, the, you know, it, it's the, the world's core of country music. Uh, most country mus musicians live in that area. They record out of that area and it's just well known for it. So I would say that, uh, you know, being able to celebrate the culture of country music in Nashville, uh, as well as, you know, the culture that Taylor herself wants to display would be a really good reason to have a Taylor Swift theme park in Nashville. What are your thoughts on that? All right. Uh, I agree with you on that. I think that, uh, you know, it certainly would be that cultural legacy that, you know, that you always want to have there. So, you know, could call out there number one. Uh, number two would be the tourism boost. Mm -hmm. You know, it could significantly uh, boost tourism in Nashville, would attract fans from around the world. You know, not just the country. We're talking about around the world because it's Taylor Swift. Uh, they'd all want to experience Taylor Swift's music and the history in a unique way. And that's what a theme park would do. Yeah, not unlike Dolly. Uh, Dolly has her own museum, uh, which is going to be improved. We'll talk about that in the pick six. But uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think that it's uh, it's going to draw a lot of people. I think there's enough Swifties out there that would travel long and far to go to a theme park that is either themed to Taylor Swift, owned by Taylor Swift, named after Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift's been there before. 
yeah, you know, any way that she's touched it. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Number three. Number three. So uh, the economic impact. So, you know, anytime that you're bringing in tourism dollars, when you're bringing in uh, dollars from areas that are not from Nashville, it's going to have a big impact and it's going to be able to help the people in the communities surrounding the Nashville area. Uh, tourism is big in Nashville. Uh, they can capitalize that and there can be a big draw on it. Uh, and we're talking about hotels and, uh, you know, and the existing things the the country music hall of fame and so on would all see big boosts as a result of Taylor Swift having her own theme park in Nashville. Agree with you there. Uh, number four, I think would be the fan experience, the Swifties. They would have the opportunity to immerse themselves in Taylor Swift's world, enhancing their connection with the artist and that's always important she's always looking for ways to connect with her fans what better way to do that than to have her own theme park yeah yeah i completely agree with that um so uh you know i think that her connecting with her fans would be something that would be mutually beneficial you know the benefit to the fans themselves is it's pretty apparent they get to have this experience and you know a lot of them are willing to spend a lot of money to see her in concert and some of the fans dads are willing to go see the movie apparently um, and, uh, uh, but, but on the other hand, doing something like this might solidify herself as a Dolly Parton and Elvis Presley, something like that. You can be really popular and in 10 years, nobody can know your name, but something like this might make that connection where it's unbreakable in the future. So, you know, Elvis Presley died before I was born, but I know every song of his because he's a legend and she has that capacity as well. All right. So uh, number five would be, it would be educational and inspirational. Uh, so it could be designed to inspire and educate visitors in the music industry, as well as uh, talk about Taylor's journey to success, um, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, if anything, you have the responsibility of a celebrity as a celebrity uh, to inspire your fans to be more like you and you have to be a role model. So if they're like you, they're not a bad person really. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, using it as an inspirational and Dolly does it. Dolly talks about her, her, your roots and the Appalachian mountains and how they were dirt poor. And there's 12 of them in one house. And, you know, all that is there. And, uh, Taylor can tell her story as well. She can. Number six, I think would be, uh, the opportunity to provide a platform to showcase the artistry, creativity, and the innovation of Taylor Swift. I mean, when you watch, you know, her perform and her shows, I mean, she's just not someone up there singing. I mean, it's it's a big, big production there. So I think that would be an opportunity to showcase a lot of that artistry and creativity that she has, uh, be promoting her as an iconic figure uh, that she has become in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, and that goes back to she, her being able to solidify this as her uh, legacy, shall we say, you know? Awesome. Maybe Elvis should have a theme park in Memphis and then every major city in Tennessee can have a theme park that's either owned or associated with a country music or rock and roll star. I think that would be kind of cool. All right. So uh, next one, uh, preservation of history. Like Dollywood's focus on Appalachian culture, a Swift park could preserve and showcase the history of country and pop music. And boy, is there a long history of country and pop music, especially in Nashville. Uh, you know, the, the roots trace back through the jazz era and, 
you know, there's just so, so many stories to be told and so many that people don't know. And she could be the one to tell those stories. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the country music legends that I grew up with, you know, they're no longer with us. So something like this would be a way to uh, get those legends back in front of the younger generation. So they're remembered for years to come. Yeah. What's next? Uh, community engagement. It would foster community engagement and participation in the promotion of Nashville's rich musical heritage. We keep talking about the tie-ins to music, so there's a lot of reasons that this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And um, every major park that's not out of their mind has a community outreach. They want to have a good relationship. Uh, this would be a very simple one uh, to kind of dream up uh, because most girls under the age of, well, I don't even want to put that kind of moniker. Most, most girls, fair amount of guys, uh, want to be exactly like Taylor Swift. So, um, it's not hard to infiltrate the community and, uh, teach people things and inspire them to learn and to read. And, you know, I mean, it's, we keep on going back to Dolly, uh, and it's not just the geography. It's just that this is such a parallel situation you know, and similar, similar popularities, if not much more at her age. Um, and what Dolly's been able to do as far as, you know, uh, engaging the community, especially in her hometown. So what's next. Okay. So we've got international appeal. Uh, so Taylor Swift has an international fan base. Uh, I don't think that that's a surprise to anybody. And, uh, we believe that people would come from all around the globe to see, a Taylor Swift theme park. Um, they would probably record 150 countries in the first season, don't you think? I think there would be, you know, huge crowds almost every day. The park was open, and it would be, um, you know, people coming from all over. You know, like we talked about that, you know, from all over the globe uh, to visit this theme park. So I think that'd be great for Nashville, you know, bring in people who normally wouldn't travel into mm -hmm. Nashville, you know, so they're for the first time they're staying in the hotels, they're eating at the restaurants, they're doing all the things, uh, to, to just really be a, a big, uh, you know, boon there for the Nashville community. Yeah. And then last one, I think this, uh, Diversifying Nashville's attractions with a Taylor Swift theme park could reduce that dependency on those, you know, long time towards destinations that they have right now. So it's going to give it something new. Uh, it'll make the city more resilient in the long run. So you want to have something that, you know, people want to keep coming back for. And this would certainly be it. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, and, uh, and the, you know, all of these are all very valid reasons uh, for this to happen. Uh, but you know, when you talk about the contents of the park itself, that's when you can get a little bit more interesting in terms of uh, like what uh, what sections could you have in the park? Like what, what are the different sections of this Taylor Swift park? What would you say if you were going to name a couple sections that you would say would be appropriate for a Taylor Swift theme park? What would they be? I think, she, you know, she does, you know, when she does this like that Eras tour, you know, it's breaking it down into those different eras of her music. So I think you'd want to kind of break it down into the sections based on, you know, what has inspired her tour. I think that would be the thing I would do. Would you have a different section or a different flat ride for every ex-boyfriend she's written a song about? <laughs> well, I don't want to go there. <laughs> um, because, but uh, 
you know, I, I just think that it'd be kind of cool, you know, when you're going in the different sections, the different eras of her, you know, music that she's done, you know, that's what you're hearing over the, you know, the, the speakers, the PA is playing her different songs in those different uh, areas of the park. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, what do you think that would be like a good signature ride? For we need to have like a dark ride that simulates. You got to have a dark you ride. Know. You got to have a dark ride and that would be real. Oh my gosh. What could you do with a dark ride there with all the different things that she's got that you could feature throughout that. So um, yeah, that would be one of the most exciting attractions and popular attractions there. If you had a dark ride that paid tribute to her, I think, you know, you'd have to have, um, you know, some roller coasters. You don't need a lot, you know, maybe two or three, uh, something like um, of a coma family coaster. I think like Dollywood has something like that would be good. Uh, you want some flat rides, you know, so you look to Zamperla for that. Um, you know, if you do want, you know, some major roller coaster, uh, you know, you can look to RMC to do one of the, you know, the iBox type coasters, or you can go to B&M and have them do a dive coaster. Or, uh, you know, you got the Gravity Group could design a wooden coaster, so could GCI. So there's a lot of possibilities. I don't know that you need those big record-breaking coasters, um, you know, but you just need to have you know, the type of, of rides that you see in any park that makes a park great is just have that variety, you know, something for the kids, something for, the, you know, the families everybody wants to do together, and then have something, you know, just for those that are coming for the throw rides. And obviously the, the stage shows, you know, you would have a lot of fun with that there too. Yeah. I mean, the stage shows would be pretty obvious because, uh, you know, you, you would at least have one main stage show that is exclusively Taylor Swift music. And then from there you can branch off to, you know, country music from the fifties or, or whatever, you know, possibilities. Are all the different legends. Right. Yeah. All the different legends, you know, you could have one show. It's about Johnny Cash, you know, you could have another show. It's about uh, Porter Wagner. You know, you've got all those different, uh, you know, iconic country music legends that, uh, you know, everybody in Nashville knows about. Uh, but I, I think there would be a lot of, a lot of potential there. No shortage of ideas yeah. that you could have for shows. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just trying to think of ideas that already exist that could be stolen or, or at least think, you know, just showing that that is a proof of concept. And if you think of like, um, Aerosmith's rock and roller coaster, the, the, uh, you know, at Disney's Hollywood studios, yeah. you have to get in the limo and make it to the show on time. And like that, that's a good, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. Taylor Swift. Yeah. Taylor Swift's concert. Exactly. You could definitely steal that idea. I think that would be a, you know, another popular attraction there, but what do you think would be, um, you know, so we go to this park, are they going to be Pepsi or are they going to be Coke? Um, it would be Coke because I probably wouldn't visit if it was Pepsi. I'm thinking RC Cola might might be a fit for this. Just be a little bit different outside the box. Make it a different, you know, another reason to go there. You know, what's funny is I, I bet if she, if, if uh, I think it's Keurig that owns RC Cola and it's all owned by like a private equity group. But if they struck a, a, a deal with her to mention drinking an RC Cola in one of her songs, I bet that that would put them on the map again. I, I bet that would overnight oh, put them on the map again. Yeah, they would skyrocket up, up the soft drink charts. Uh, so, yeah, it'd be very, very popular. So what do you think um, a Taylor Swift theme park should be called? Well, um, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of something that's not obvious. You know, we're going to make the joke of like, oh, Taylor Wood or whatever because of Dollywood. So let, no, let's get let's no, get that no, out. Of, that. Let's get that out of the way. But um the uh i'm thinking like like swifty world or swifty land swifty land sounds kind of cool it rolls off the tongue what do you think swifty land yeah swifty land could work uh taylor's world you know maybe something like that uh but I, i'm 
yes, I, I think Swifty Land would have some legs. Yeah, I, we're 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 kind of assuming that the term Swifty will Swifty's last. Great Adventure, Swifty's Great Adventure, something like that. Yeah, it yeah it could be. I don't know. I mean, Swifty's Adventure Land or Taylor's Adventure Land, anything like that. Yeah, but you got to have her name somewhere in the title. Oh, you would. And then it has to be really good. And then just to hedge against the bets, you have to make sure that it works with Six Flags over Swifty Land. You know, just in case the things don't work out and the Six Flags Corporation buys them. Yeah, but, uh, you know, for our audience listening, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think uh, theme park in Nashville, you know, uh, under the you know Taylor Swift brand would work? Would you like to see that? Um, you know, how about it? You know, let's ask her herself, Taylor Swift. What do you think of our idea? So, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, send us some uh, a post on our X. It's attraction underscore GRP, and uh, just give us your thoughts. You know, do you think this would have potential? Would you go to a theme park uh, themed around Taylor Swift? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're asking Taylor Swift that, I would hope the answer is yes, because I would totally go to a theme park themed after Ryan, because it would be awesome. I wouldn't go to a Don oh, yeah. theme park though. It would just have the racer. Um, <laughs> it'd have the racer and pizza. Right. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Well, Taylor, if you're out there, we got a million dollar idea for you. I know it's not a lot to you, but it can make it. <laughs> cool. All right. Uh, Ryan, we have a listener uh, follower question. What is it? Um, our follower question uh, is from. Is it Carrick Gilgan? Is that how you pronounce the name? It's at Coaster Hour. For Don. Hmm. This sounds like a conspiracy okay. already. It is my understanding that you were involved with bringing Coaster Stock to KI. What are some of the things that went into getting the event off the ground and later setting up the event every year? So, oh, man, get yourself an RC Cola because there's a lot behind this. Well, I mean, we'll keep it short. I mean, you know, I, I did uh, come up with the idea for coaster stock, not the idea of a coaster event because those were, you know, out there all over the place, but the the name coaster stock and what that event would be. I had gone to a number of different uh, events around the country over the years and took the elements that I like best about those events and tried to incorporate it into coaster stock. But I also talked to a lot of, uh, I had a panel of coaster enthusiasts it was a group of over 20 that I asked them uh, to tell me, you know, they're well-traveled. They've gone to all the events too. What did you like about this? What didn't you like about that? Um, one of the, you know, negatives that came across almost across the board from everybody uh, was that they didn't like that a lot of time during the ERT sessions that the wait time was no different than a normal day, that it was still 45 minutes to an hour to get on uh, the different coasters. So I wanted to, um, alleviate that by having enough attractions open, but also limiting the capacity for the event, you know, make it a tough ticket. Um, so I wanted it to be something if you came from, you know, far away, California, um, you know, Utah, um, maybe out of the country, and you came to this event that you were going to be able to, if you wanted to get night rides on the beast, be able to get, you know, five, six, 10 rides, you know, during the ERT session. So I wanted it to have value. Uh, for the participants. But what really goes into it is you can have the best idea in the world, but you have to get buy-in from each of the different departments. They have to be as excited about it as you are uh, because everything out in the park, there's every, it's a touch point everywhere. 
you know, admissions, guest services, um, it's, you know, maintenance, food service, park, every, every, everybody is involved in this event. And, you know, you're opening the park early, you're keeping it open late. Uh, so everybody has to be excited about it and just to get that by. And I think that's the, the biggest thing to get it off the ground and, uh, you know, set up the event every year is just to get everybody on board with what you want to do and why you want to do it. Yeah, uh, I, I remember brainstorming ideas for the name of the event with you. And if I recall, and this is a long time ago at this point, but I think that the name Coaster Stock, that was definitely you, but I feel like it, we, you didn't, we were, we were, weren't talking about Woodstock. I think we were talking about Wayne Stock from Wayne's World 2. And that's how the idea yeah, for Coaster Stock. It was all those different things. But no, I, I was going to be, a, I wanted it to be like a gathering of people. You know, I envisioned people descending upon mm. Kings Island for this event from all over. So, you know, when you think about Woodstock, all those people descended there, you know, for that. So that's how Coaster Stock, you know, kind of came up as the name. So just, you know, people descending upon the park uh, for this event. But it's worked out well, you know, and it's it's been, you know, the right decision to to limit the capacity, you know, it became a tough ticket, mm -hmm. uh, sells out within minutes and it offers the value that I thought it had to have. But a lot of that came again from, it wasn't just my ideas. It was talking to a lot of people, uh, enthusiasts who had gone to these events, you know, all over the country and getting their feedback and not just basing on what I thought, but what did the people who attend this event think? And I think that's important too. It's not for you. It's not for your park. It's for the attendees. And what do they want? That's going to make it a great event. Yeah. And um, it'll be interesting to see what the event looks like moving forward without your brazen leadership. It'll be, uh, it'll be cool to see what happens. Uh, all right, cool. Well, that's, that's a really good question. Um, we only ask that if you ask us, send a question for Don, you also send a question for me too. That's, that's our one request. I'm totally kidding. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we're not going to ask any or take any more questions till the next one's for Ryan. That's true. So make sure when you go to our X, <laughs> go to the place where we're. You know, you'll find the post where we're we're uh, soliciting your questions. Make your next next question directed to Ryan, or we're just not going to to have a, a follower question segment anymore until you get one for Ryan. Do you think we should just have like three minutes of silence in between our main show and the pick six from now on? Like, I mean, like, you know, if they don't have a question for Ryan, then they can just sit through the segment where we would be talking about, you know, the listener question. Uh, I, I think I think that would uh, help spur some questions for you. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm surprised that, you know, there haven't been a lot of questions directly for you. I mean, there's been questions that are geared to your expertise all the time, mm -hmm. but I'm surprised that no one has just said, Ryan, what are your thoughts on, you know, I mean, you know, if you're interested in mobile apps and that, I mean, Ryan's your guy to ask those kind of questions expert on that yeah well and uh, i mean to be honest with i i completely understand this whole dynamic of uh that i'm don helbig's co-host and it's less so the other way around uh no because, not at all well no because you're all. the local celebrity you're like the weatherman and everybody in the area knows you so <laughs> that doesn't make it any all less right. fun for me okay cool all right. Well, moving on. What time is it, Ryan? Well, it's time for us to make an announcement about the next segment because we forgot to do it at the top of the show like we had discussed. So we're coming up on the pick six. And uh, we've been talking to a lot of people uh, because, as you guys know, we we run two podcasts. We have the Attractions Group podcast and then we have Tower Topics, which is exclusively a Kings Island podcast. 
So Tower Topics is a little bit different because we drop them like in 15 minute segments. And we usually do either like, sometimes I do it three all at a time or every other day or something like that. But the feedback for that's been very positive. So what we've decided to do is that for the sake of sometimes the shows run extraordinarily long and, um, you know, we've gotten feedback about that, we're going to start splitting up the show and we're going to have the main body of the show and then we're going to have the listener question, then we're going to end and then we're going to have pick six as a second drop. It's going to be on the exact same night, go up the exact same time so you don't have to wait for it or anything. But a lot of people have been saying that, you know, oh, I didn't make it to the pick six. You know, when we have some of these, especially like high profile guests and, you know, it's an hour and a half talking to them, uh, we, we totally get it. So uh, uh, the feedback was that they wanted the pick six to be more accessible. So don't be surprised. Starting next week, the pick six will be a different drop at the same time as the main podcast app. So cool. Awesome. Anyway. But for the last time on the main podcast, shall we say, uh, it's time for a little segment we like to call The Pick Six. All right. So um, I guess I have the first one then, don't I? Uh, as published on Monday by Theme Parks by Don, which can be found at themeparksbydon.com. Uh, Dollywood and Pigeon Forge, Tennessee will debut the new Dolly Parton experience in spring, spring of 2024. I'm more excited about this than I should be, by the way. The interactive exhibit showcases the iconic career of Dolly Parton, including her signature style and biggest dreams. The theme park will also expand its operating schedule to 280 days next year. Uh, wow. Dollywood keeps on doing stuff right, don't they? Um, they do. And, you know, when you're talking about expanding the uh, 280 days that's a significant increase it's 23 more operating days than they traditionally have um, they bring back their popular events every year so you know if you're a pass holder they're going to have those signature events you know like the harvest uh, festival that's going on right now uh, they're going to have their christmas event uh, they have several other events throughout the year so you you can count on those things happening uh, when you buy a season pass yeah in fact um, they announced i didn't know if they would do this or not i didn't know how they would uh, fashion this, but they announced that they're going to bring back the 50th anniversary of the song I Will Always Love You, uh, which is before the spring celebration. The spring celebration got pushed a little bit further into the season. Um, I, I didn't think they'd be able to bring that back because it's celebrating the 50th and this will be 51 years, but it's more of a celebration of the song and the legacy of the song, which I think is rightful. And I mean, the song's so good and it's got such a great story that I'm glad to hear it, you know? Yeah, and another part of 2024 is going to be, you know, the the reopening of Lightning Rod with the new launch system uh, in place, you know, replacing that. And uh, hopefully it's, you know, the, the plan is it's going to be a more reliable ride. So when you go to Dollywood, you don't have to hope Lightning Rod is open. It should be. Yeah, I, and, and um, you know, the, the Lightning Rod is going to be, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be reliable. I'm, I'm very confident in that. Um, but they closed down the Dolly Parton Museum uh, last year or two years ago. And they've been very transparent that that was going to be part of the park capital for this coming year, for 2024. Um, I always love the Dolly Parton Museum because, I mean, I don't sit around and like rock out. To, I mean, I usually listen to it on the way to Dollywood, but Dolly is such like a, just such a pure human being and such a legend. It's one of those things where it's like, 
it's so cool to be in the presence of stuff that's owned by this person, you know, um, and to be alive at the same time as this person, you know, it, it's one of those things. So I'm, I'm really excited for, uh, you know, the reimagining of the Dolly Parton museum and, and all the things that they have in store. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, it certainly will be. All right, what's next? Well, more details have been revealed about the new Fast and Furious themed roller coaster planned for Universal Studios Hollywood in California. The theme park plans to install a sound wall as well as restrict the ride's construction to specific hours and build ride vehicles that rotate 360 degrees to reduce noise and avoid disturbing nearby homes. I think if I lived there, I'd kind of like to hear the noise of the park, but that's just me. Uh, the sound wall is slated to be longer than two football fields and will be built to help reduce sound from the attraction from traveling into the community. And the coasters will also have those, uh, will have a half pipe shields that will help reduce sound from traveling into the community. How is rotating vehicles going to help with sound? I don't know. I'm not an engineer, but you know, like I said, if I lived in a neighborhood, I would kind of like to, you know, hear those sounds. I think it would be kind of, you know, part of the uniqueness in living near the park is just to be able to have that. You know, uh, if I lived in your Kings Island, I'd love to be able to hear the train, you know, whistle and those kind of things. You know, it would kind of, uh, you know, just be kind of a cool thing. But again, that's me. But I understand it. You know, I, I think when you talk about the homes and those you know, that area that, you know, loves people, you know, maybe they, they just want it to be quiet. Yeah. I mean, I guess the people that are in, aren't into parks don't really appreciate the noise that comes from parks, but that's on them, not on us. But uh, yeah, Fast and the Furious, for those of you who don't know, um, that is, uh, there's an upper lot and there's a lower lot to Universal Hollywood, and that's being built on the hill in between. Uh, so that should be a really, really cool ride. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, move on. Um, uh, so, Moncton Council voted Monday to look at alternative sites and collaborative models for an aquatic center, which is the first stage in the city's plan to construct an indoor pool uh, over the next years in Moncton, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, I guess it has to be an indoor pool in Canada because probably your swimming season's like three weeks. I've I've passed through Moncton before, and uh, yeah, indoor is the only way to go. Yeah, so this comes after a study from the city's master plan recommending an indoor pool. Well, I mean, if the, if the study showed an outdoor pool, you fire your city manager. Uh, with up to three tanks housing a warmer therapeutic pool, leisure pool, and splash features, and 25-meter pool with six to ten lanes. That would be nice for that community, right? It would be. I mean, even though you lived in Moncton and it's sub-zero degree temperatures for several months of the year, just very cold there, uh, you know, people still like to swim. So I think this is a great thing to have an indoor, um, you know, swimming pool type facility. I like it. Yeah. And uh, I noticed that, you know, it's a lot about the heating and stuff like that. It's just uh, an indoor pool just isn't the same. But I mean, again, God, what's your swimming season really like there? It's got to be. Two and a half months, maybe. People have got used to watching baseball and football indoors. They can get used to swimming indoors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What's next? Well, work started Tuesday in Louisville, Kentucky on the Speed Art Museum's new The Speed Outdoors Initiative, which is expected to open late 2025 as part of this project. 
A sculpture park with 13 contemporary sculptures and a space for community gatherings will be built on three acres of land surrounding the museum. I think Ryan's fills a need for more green space in Louisville. I agree. I'm wondering if uh, the name Speed is the same people from Speed School, which is the engineering school at University of Louisville, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that's an odd amount of information for this podcast. But yeah, definitely cool. Um, the city of Louisville is definitely making a lot of steps in the right direction. Uh, helps that they have a Hershen property there now, doesn't it? You know, but uh, very good for it them. It does. It's a it's a very nice, pretty city to pass through. Yeah. But they do have like the Louisville Slugger Factory and Museum. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So... Don, you had, uh, this is going to be number five, by the way, for those of you keeping notes at home, but uh, Don had his first Sandusky Register article written. Uh, it's about Top Thrill 2. Uh, Top Thrill 2 is a re- reimagining of Top Thrill Dragster at Cedar Point, which has been closed for a couple years, um, and it's going to feature LSM launches instead of a hydraulic launch, so it's going to be a three-pass-through swing launch, and they're adding a 420-foot spike. Um, so, Don, like... Uh, Let's talk about this. Uh, so you wrote about Cedar Point for the Sandusky Register. How did that feel? Felt good. Um, you know, I, I like writing about parks. And, uh, you know, you know that Cedar Point has a a very, you know, strong and passionate fan base. And the Sandusky Register is, uh, you know, read by a lot of their fans. So it, it felt good to, to be able to publish an article in the Sandusky Register and kind of give an update uh, for all those who hadn't been to Cedar Point this fall, you know, an update on the construction of Top Thrill 2. It's, you know, it's really taken shape. And, you know, during the week when the parks close, they make a lot of, you know, progress. So when you go week to week, you know, you just see how much closer to getting done to um, having this, this complete. You know, aside from, I love Top Thrill Dragster. So, I'm cautiously optimistic about Top Thrill 2 because it's like touching my baby. But besides that, I think we're all like so rooting for Zamperla to nail this. So their trains work well, their launch system works well, their conversion works well, because I want another really good player on the block that can make extreme rides. Don't you think? I think so. And I, I think they're going to nail it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. So I mean, there's a lot of obviously, you know, there's whenever you have something like this going on and you know, you're, you're getting parties together that have never done anything of this nature. There's always going to be, you know, those, those questions and concerns and that, but I really think they're going to, going to nail it. And, you know, visitors to, to Cedar point are going to have a fantastic coaster on their hands. Yeah. Let's all hope. Uh, not, not that there aren't a number of them already there that are fantastic. This is just going to add to those, you know, to that lineup that they have there. Yeah. And, and you know, what's sad is like Cedar point. It's, it's, it's a, bucket list of rides it's almost any kind of ride out there you can imagine you know and, and when the people the youtubers and stuff say this is what's going to be next for cedar point it's always got to be something kind of obscure like you know i mentioned like a mock extreme spinner or a flying coaster or something like that but because they have so many of the boxes checked but i tell you what top throw dragster being the crown jewel of all that um that that's such a gaping hole in that park. I, I I so miss having it and being able to ride it. So I'm so excited to have uh, a new iteration of it back again. Don't you? And when you when you look at this ride, you know Top Thrill Two, there is nothing out there anywhere that's going to even be close to replicating the experience that you're going to get on this reimagined coaster. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you're gonna lose that zero to one twenty launch sensation, and that and you're gonna feel that like that's gonna be a big loss. But what you gain is pretty impressive as well. It does the first launch. It comes back for a rollback. Um, and a rollback is some. Well, that was always a favorite too of of writers on top there. You always hope to get that rollback. You know, I had that happen once. You know, and it was a phenomenal experience. And you wish that happened on every ride uh, when you were riding Top Thrill Dragster. So I think taking that element and making it something that you get to experience every ride, I think that's going to, you know, be a, a guest favorite on this. And I think it just really, you know, th- th- it's just really exciting what they're doing with it. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny because I, I never had a rollback. I really wanted one, but I, um, but I remember the first time I rode, it was one of the situations where it was down all day. And then we're about to leave the park and they open it up. We're like, okay, we get to ride that. Uh, so I ride in the front row and the things just, the trains before us, they're, they're rolling back two and three times. Like as they have a tendency to do, it's designed to do all this stuff. But I get on and I remember thinking like, my God, I hope it doesn't roll back because I was so terrified. Even as like an adult, you know, just that first time you, there's nothing like that first time you hop on there and you see that that stretch of track and you know, you're going to be launched zero to 120 miles an hour and then just flipped up 420 feet in the air. Uh, but I was rooting against it. It almost happened, but, uh, but yeah, I never got to do a rollback, you know? All right. Well, moving on to number six of the pick six theme parks have been doing Halloween horror nights as an annual spooky tradition for a long time, but it feels like in recent years, it has become an increasingly popular destination for movie and TV aficionados as each year fans look uh, forward to seeing which of their favorite films and shows get ad- adopted uh, to haunted houses at different events. So it's not surprising then to hear that Universal is now planning a whole year round for experience. This one called Universal Universal Horror Unleashed. Uh, the press release that uh, they distributed announcing this new venture uh, says it'll be located at Area 15 in Las Vegas, it describes it as a variety of unique, immersive, and horror-centric experiences. Uh, it'll be surrounded by eerie eateries and bone-chilling bar areas, and it will deliver on the thrills universal horror fans have come to love and excite anyone looking for a new level of experiential entertainment. So, Ryan, your thoughts on something like this that would be open year-round? I mean, you can really only do it in Vegas um, uh, just because it's people looking to be entertained. I mean, Orlando might work, too, but that could cannibalize their their actual event. But um, I, I think it's fantastic. In fact, I have never been to Vegas. It's a bucket list thing. I really want to go. But this is definitely something probably within the first month or so. I'll probably, um, you know, whenever it opens, I'll... I'll make the trip out there and uh, that'll most certainly be part of it. And it'll be my excuse to go, to be honest with you. But I think it's exciting. Do you know uh, about area 15? Are you familiar with that at all? I am not. So so area that. 15 um, is, I, I'm going to describe this the best I can because, and I'm definitely going to talk out of term, but uh, several YouTubers and stuff. I know Jacob, the carpetbagger went to one, um, the, the one in Vegas, I believe. But so Area 15 is started as like an art exhibit. Uh, and what it is, is it's like an oddball grocery with like, they've got like fake products and stuff in there, but it's like a walkthrough experience. It, it's weird. I would encourage anybody after they're done with this 
uh, to look up Area 15 on YouTube. And it's it's really hard to put into words exactly what it is. But that's another thing that I really wanted to check out. They're building one in Orlando, too. But I don't know if we have an ETA on that or not. But I, I, I think that um, this whole project is going to be fascinating. And I think it's going to go very, very well for them. Yeah, I think it works well, like you said, in Vegas. You know, probably wouldn't work too well in other places. You know, maybe you could do it in Orlando, like you mentioned. Um, but you don't want to take away from your other events. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, keeping tabs on the development of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Universal is, uh, you know, they're expanding. You know, they've got uh, some of the micro parks that they've announced. They've got uh, the Third Gate Epic Universe in Orlando. Um and, uh, you know, they've apparently they've got a whole team of people that are looking for opportunities. Uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times, but the Philadelphia Phillies now have a toothsome restaurant there, which is an original uh, universal creative um, creation, you know. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, and I bet it'll be well beyond anything that you see at, you know, Hollywood or Orlando as far as Horror Nights is concerned, because. They spend millions, millions of dollars on these on these haunted mazes, but they still know that they have to put them up in a certain amount of time and then tear them down really quickly because they reuse the sounds. Sorry, they reuse the sound stages. This isn't the case. They're going to build this thing and probably have it for years and then probably like do it again. So they'll be able to do whatever they want, really. You know, it doesn't have to be mobile. It doesn't have to be something that's redone or or anything like that. So it, I, I'm really excited to see the next steps for this. Cool. I am too. Awesome. Well, this has been a very interesting and very swifty podcast for us, hasn't it? It has been. Uh, so again, give us your thoughts on a Taylor Swift themed theme park in Nashville and uh, send us your thoughts on our X, the platform formerly known as Twitter. It's attractions underscore GRP. Yeah. And then make sure that if you're, uh, especially if you're a new listener, welcome. And um, you can find all the places to listen to the podcast and where to find us at attractionsgrouppodcast.com. It's a fresh new URL. It's still got that fresh out of the box smell to it. I assure you, you'll have a wonderful experience going to this website that just redirects to a link tree. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, Don, it's uh, another one in the books. Uh, what is it? 64. Yeah, 64, and uh, we've got some great things planned, some good guests uh, that you're not going to want to miss listening to, you know, coming up in the weeks ahead. So, you know, thanks for listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, uh, attractionsgrouppodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at attractions underscore GRP. Oh, yeah, and shout out themeparksbydon.com if you want to read about like Top Thrill 2. No, no, that was Sandusky Register. What'd you write about on Theme Parks by Don? Oh, the Dollywood thing. Yeah, if you want to read about the, the Dollywood, Dollywood, yeah, yes. the Dollywood uh, expansion for next year, that's on themeparksbydon.com. But thank you, everybody, once again for listening. You're really appreciated. We'll see you next week. <laughs>